There is therefore now no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus, who walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. This is Pastor Rob Chambers of Reedtown Community Church in Newport, Tennessee. It is our earnest hope and prayer that something will be said or done through word or song that will be a blessing to your heart. When you're trying to go somewhere, how do you know where you're going? If you're trying to get to a certain place, how do you know where you're going? Well, if, here it's in, if it's here in town, you pretty much know where everything is. You've grown up in the area. You know where everything's at. When something new comes in, you know where that's at. If a new road's built, you know where that's at. You acquire knowledge over a certain period of time of your local area, so you really don't need any assistance finding a place. But if you go to a new area where you're not familiar, where you've not lived for several years, you don't know street names, you don't know where different establishments are, you need a little bit of help, don't you? You need some help navigating. Well, in the world we live in today, you can go online with a computer, type in the address of your destination, and the computer will spit you out a list of directions to get you just exactly where you need to be. If you need a map, you can go to MapQuest. The computer will print you out a map of driving directions, how to get there. If you're like me, you've got a map in the car, an atlas. I'd much rather depend upon a map than I would something that came from a computer. I'd rather depend on, depend on the map than a GPS. You know those little things you've seen in cars on the dash? All you've got to do is punch into that little thing where you want to go. It'll talk to you. Turn right. Turn left. So many miles to wherever. See, there's a problem, though. That little box only knows what some man put into it. As you come out of Pigeon Forge into Sevierville, there's a big orange sign that says, Warning, your GPS may be wrong. If you want to get to the interstate, stay to the right. They built a new road in. It's not been programmed into the satellite coordinates yet. GPS can be wrong. The instructions you get from a computer could be wrong. Nine times out of ten, they're right like reading instructions on how to put together a stereo system anyway. You can't make heads or tails out of them. I'd rather have a map. But sometimes maps are wrong. They may have names of roads misspelled. They may be in the wrong location. What happens when you rely on whatever the navigation tool, whether it's a map, whether it's directions from somebody, or a GPS, if you rely on that, and that information's wrong, where do you end up? Lost. Lost. You're not going to get where you're trying to be. If you don't have correct navigation, you will not find the way that you need to find. Now, for thousands of years, mankind traveled all over the globe and he used the planets, the moon, and the stars in the sky. Across the Pacific Ocean, the Atlantic Ocean, the Arctic Ocean, all the continents simply by looking up and knowing search and such planet will be at search and such a spot, certain star will be at search and such a spot at certain such a day. Now imagine yourself, you're in the middle of the North Atlantic Ocean. It's 30 degrees, icebergs everywhere. You're trying to cross this ocean to get from one side to the other. 
you take out your little specialized instruments and you take readings on where certain stars are, where certain planets are, and you take those little measurements that you get and you consult a book and you can pinpoint just exactly where on the planet you are and you know just exactly which way you have to turn the front of your ship to get to where you're going. It's amazing, isn't it? People today still can navigate simply by looking up into the heavens and looking at the stars that are up in the sky. Now I want you to think about something else. I want you to imagine that you're an astronomer living somewhere north and east of what today we'd call Babylon. And like most, now I'm talking about astronomers, not astrologists, an astronomer. An astronomer studies what's in the heavens, what God has made, the stars and the planets, how they do their thing, how they move. An astrologer is the one that is a fortune teller. I'm not talking about an astrologer. I'm talking about an astronomer with an M. You're looking into the sky as you do. That's your job. That's your study. You've done it your whole life. And all of a sudden, there is a huge flash that's never been seen before. So in your excitement, you get your friends, you get your co-workers, you get the people that have studied what you've studied for years and years and years. Come look at this. Hurry, look, 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 look. What is that? I don't know. I've never seen it before. Me either. Let's call so-and-so. Let's get so-and-so in here. Maybe they know. Nobody knows what this light is. That's to the south and to the west. Nobody can figure out what it is. So they begin consulting other people. They begin asking questions. They begin looking and finally in some old dusty tome, some old rolled up scroll that's been kicked to the back of a library somewhere that had been acquired when some little tiny nation state had been taken captive thousands of years before. One of their prophecies from what they would call the book of Micah. Chapter 5, verse 2. That there would be a king arise out of that little nation state. And in their book of Numbers, chapter 24 and verse 17, it was proclaimed that a star would announce the birth of their Savior. Well, they get to taking their measurements, they get to looking, but this, 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 this star... This light that we're seeing, it's directly over Jerusalem. That's the capital. That's the capital of that nation that at one time was held captive by Babylon. This must be fulfillment of one of their prophecies. So they get excited. They say, we've got to go see this. This has been predicted. 800, 1400 years ago, these prophecies were made. And here, we've got to check this out. We've got, we've, got to, we've got to go. So they get together a group and they make their way to Jerusalem. And in chapter 2 of Matthew, Now when Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of Herod the king, behold, there came wise men from the east to Jerusalem, saying, Where is he that is born the king of the Jews? We have seen His star in the east and are come to worship Him. Well, there's a king born. 
It's been prophesied in different prophecies, some of them dating back 1,400 years. Here's the fulfillment. Here's the star in the sky. Where do you go to look for the king? You go to the capital. You go to the most logical place. So when they get to Jerusalem, they've been at, they begin asking, where is this king? Where is this child that's been born? Where is this fulfillment? Nobody knows what they're talking about. King Herod, who is not a Jew, who's an Edomite, put in power by the Roman government, he hears about these wise men that have come. He says, bring them to me. If there's anybody that's going to be king, it's me, and I am not going to tolerate anybody in any way, shape, form, or fashion questioning my rule. Bring these wise men to me. Bring these educated men to me. They come before the king asking the same question, Where is he? Where is he? I always used to think that the wise men would have traveled in a great big band, that they'd have had guards, servants. I don't think that's, I think I was wrong. I don't see them as traveling just three men riding along on camels. I see a group of individuals with maybe some personal servants. But this was not, this was not a government-sanctioned journey they made. These were individual men who had studied, who had knowledge of the prophecies of ancient Hebrew, and when they saw fulfillment of the prophecies, they were moved by God, moved that they must, at whatever cost, investigate. They must know for sure that this prophecy has been fulfilled. Kind of like a personal quest for these men. Kind of like you and I. It's a personal journey. We can travel together. They group together for safety's sake. If you travel just one person back then, you were in danger of being killed by bandits and robbers and thieves. You and I, this journey through life, we can't travel individually. We can't be lone wolf Christians. We can't say, well, I'll do it all on my own. We've got to have brothers and sisters. We've got to have a church behind us. We've got to have fellowship one with another. Because while I'm standing and looking at this way, I have no idea what's behind me. I don't know what's sneaking up directly behind me. If I've got two or three brothers behind me that are watching my back, they can warn me of danger, just like I can warn them something sneaking up on them. That's why you and I must have fellowship one with another. Individually, we'll miss things. One-on-one, -on -one, the devil will pick us off. But if we're a group clustered together like we are in this church, if we see a brother falter, we can reach down, we can help them up. We can encourage them. We can covenant together in prayer over certain things. If you have a need, you can come. We'll pray on that need. If I have a need, we'll come to you. We'll pray about that thing. There's power. There's strength. There's safety and security in numbers. When they got to Jerusalem, <laughs> they said, We are come to worship. We 
are come. That's the only reason we're here. We didn't come to talk with you, Herod. We didn't come to see or to be seen. We didn't come on some political uh, 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 quest. We didn't come for that. We came with one purpose. We came to worship the King of kings and the Lord of lords. Why are you here this morning? Why are you here this morning? We are coming to the house to gather in His name and worship Him. That's why we're here this morning. If you came for any other reason, you wasted your time. If you came here and you didn't worship Him this morning, you wasted your time. Now I want to ask you, based on up until right now, at this point in time in this service, have you worshipped Jesus this morning? Have you worshipped Him? Have you glorified and praised Him? Well, just my presence. No, just your presence is not what's required. Just your being here is not worship. I beg to differ. You and I are not that important that just our mere presence is worship to God. The worship that God desires, the worship that the Word of God commands, is the sacrifice and the praise of our mouth and of our lips. Preacher, that's not the way I do things. I don't care how you do things. I'm explaining to you how God does things. How God does things is what matters. How God does things is what's going to get us to heaven. Not how you and I do things. My method, your method, will take us straight to hell. We've got to do things the way God says to do things. That's the problem with the church today. Why do you think we're at a point in time where the Word of God can't be read? Because the church quit reading it a long time ago. Don't get mad now that you can't because you quit 20 years ago. It's nobody's fault but the churches. We quit taking our children to church. We quit demanding that God be right and every other man a liar. And guess what? The consequences of that is coming back on us. And we don't like what we're seeing. We don't like the way things are turning out. Well, praise God, there's only one solution. Worship Jesus. Worship God. When Herod heard all this in verse 3, yeah, he was troubled. You better believe he was troubled. He gathered all of the chief priests and the scribes of the people together and he demanded of them where Christ should be born. Where is this Messiah? Where is he supposed to be born? They said unto him in Bethlehem of Judea. For thus it is written by the prophet, And thou, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, art not the least among the princes of Judah. For out of thee shall come a governor that shall rule my people Israel. That's Micah. Chapter 5, verse 2. Micah wrote that 800 years before Christ's birth. Herod, when he had privily called the wise men, inquired them diligently what time the star appeared. He got them together quietly, just him and them. Didn't want any witnesses. And he sent them to Bethlehem and said, Go search diligently for the young child, and when you have found him, bring me word again that I may come and worship him. Brings me to my next point this morning. 
you can't find what you're looking for in the world. You can't trust what the world offers you. The world will offer you safety, peace, and security if you'll just give up a few of your liberties, if you'll just give up a few of your freedoms, we'll protect you. We'll keep you safe. That's a lie. If you just trust us, we'll feed you and we'll clothe you. That's a lie. If you just trust us, we'll pay for all your medical bills. That's a lie. If you just trust us, we'll educate and raise your children the way they need to be. That's a lie. Now, don't get the misunderstanding I'm anti-government. I'm not. You can't be a Christian and be anti-government. Because the Word of God says that we are subject to the laws of the land, and I believe that. But I'm telling you the laws of the land can be in opposition to the laws of God. And when that happens and there's opposition to the laws of God, you and I have a duty and obligation, not only as free Americans, but as children of God, to stand up and proclaim loudly fervently, unendingly, that that is wrong. Herod said, I want to worship him too. I want to worship him. You go and you come back and tell me, don't trust anybody but God. Don't trust anybody. I'm going to stand here and I'm going to tell you right now, don't trust me. Don't trust me. I can make a mistake. I can be wrong. I can fail, I can have something come up and for some reason I've told you something and I'll not be able to fulfill with what I told you. Don't trust me, trust God. God cannot fail you. It's impossible for God to fail. If you put your hope, your faith, your trust and everything that you have in God and His Son Jesus Christ, then you don't have to worry. He will carry you through. These wise men, when they heard the king, they left the palace. And look at verse 9. The star which they had saw in the east. Look at verse 9. They'd already seen the star. They were way over on the other side of Babylon and they saw the star. And they came to Jerusalem where they thought the king would be, but come to find out he wasn't there. He was really somewhere else. When they came out of the palace and they said, well, it's in Bethlehem, they looked up and they saw the star again and it began to move across the heavens toward Bethlehem. It began to move. Preacher, all the stars move. No, they don't. No, they don't. Preacher, I can sit there in my house at night and I can watch the stars go across the sky. No, you don't. You're sitting on a ball that's spinning. It's the ball moving, not the stars. The star began to move. Why do you think it says here that in verse 10, they rejoiced with exceeding great joy? Because lights in the sky don't just move across the horizon. These were astronomers. This was their job, their occupation. There's the star. There's the one we've been following. It's moving. Look at it. It's moving toward Bethlehem. Oh, they got happy. You want to talk about a good old-fashioned prayer meeting, a good old-fashioned shouting, singing, joy. What do you think exceeding great joy means? It means them boys got wound up. They were praising God. They were shouting. They were singing. They were glorifying. They were crying. They were slapping each other on the back, hugging one another. 
they grabbed the reins of those camels and they began to run down the road. They were dragging camels behind them. They were in such a hurry. And when they saw the star, they rejoiced with, ex they rejoiced with exceeding, exceeding great joy. And when they were coming to the house, they saw the young child with Mary's mother and fell down and worshipped him. They fell down and worshipped him. Well, I tell you what, if I had spent I don't know how many months looking up trying to verify this light that I had found, only to discover that it was the prophecy from some ancient Hebrew text, and then I'd spent another, I don't know how many months, traveling from where I was to where that was. I looked up and I saw this star moving across the sky to personally deliver me to where the king lay. When I finally got there, when I finally got to the king, I'm on my face. I'm going to do some worshiping. I'm looking forward to the day, Brother Carson, when I can get down at the feet of my Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, and I can worship Him. I can't do it here. I can't, I can't form the words with a human tongue. My body can't stand the excitement. To truly praise Him, that's going to require that glorified body to be in His presence. And I'm going to do exactly what those wise men. I'm going to get down on my face before Him. I may not even be able to make a sound. I may not be able to cry. I don't know. But I know everything that is within me is going to worship God and is going to worship Jesus just like these men did. They fell down on their face and they worshiped Him. Some of the most educated men of that time. You'll see very few educated men of our time get on their face before God. But if they're truly wise, they will. The Bible says the fear of God is the beginning of all wisdom. Preacher, don't you mean the respect of God? No, I mean the fear of God. I mean just what the Word of God says, word for word, the fear of God. They worshiped Him, and when they opened their treasures, they presented to Him gifts, gold, frankincense, and myrrh. The gold, a gift for the king. The frankincense, a gift for the high priest. The myrrh, a gift for the final sacrifice. How did they know what to bring? They didn't know what to bring. They brought what God told them to bring. God sent the gifts. God provided. Just like God knows what you and I need today. What you and I need right now. Each and every individual heart. I'm good, preacher. I'm good. I'm good. No, you're not. You ain't good. Jesus himself said there's none good but the Father. We all need something. We all need something. We may just need encouragement. We may just need strength. We just may need a physical. We need something. Something we stand in need of this morning. And I know what the something is. Preacher, how do you know what I need? I know you need Jesus. I know you need Jesus. That's not what I need. I don't care what you think you need. I don't care what I think I need. The solution for all of us is Jesus.
I don't care if you're 75, I don't care if you're 5, I don't care if you're lost, backslidden, I don't care if you've been a Christian for 50 years. What you need is Jesus. And we need more of it. More of it every day. Verse 12, and we'll finish this morning. Being warned of God in a dream that they should not return to Herod, they departed into their own country another way. Warned of God. Warned of God. Consider yourself warned this morning. Consider yourself warned of God. Don't misunderstand me. I'm not getting pious. I'm not getting too big for my britches. I'm telling you, that's a warning from God this morning. God says, I have the thing that you stand in need of. God says there is coming soon a time in this nation that you have never seen before. That your mom and daddy's never seen. Your mom and daddy's 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 daddy has never seen. Over 200 years, this country has in no way, shape, form, or fashion had to go through religious persecution. Now, you can go out right now and pick any other religion you want to, and you'll be fine. But I'm warning you right now, if you want to claim the title of Christian, Christ-like, it ain't going to be easy from here on in. It's going to be put up or shut up. It's going to be trust God or fall by the wayside. Bible warns us that we're to count the cost. Salvation is a free gift. Jesus did that. He came into this world born of a virgin, lived a perfect sin-free life, no guile ever found in his mouth, died on a cross, became the ultimate sacrifice, rose the third day, allowed you and I access to God. He did that. We can't change it, add to it, or take away from it. But brother, I'm telling you right now, brother and sister, if you're going to walk the talk, you're going to walk the walk and talk the talk, it's going to cost you something. It's going to cost you something in this world. It costs these men something. It costs these men financially. It costs them spiritually, emotionally, physically. It costs them. But in the end, what did they get to do? They got to bow at the feet of the Master. Being warned in a dream of God, they went a different way. We're warned of God this morning. Let us leave His house this morning a different way than we came in. Let us leave on God's path. Let us leave following God. Let us leave with Him first in our hearts, in our minds, in our life, and with a serious, fierce, devout conviction in our heart that no matter what happens, no matter what it costs us, no matter who we have to separate ourselves from, no matter what we have to do without, that we will, from now and forevermore, follow the Lord God Jehovah and His Son, Jesus Christ that He will be first in our lives. Unless and until you get that in here,
firmly planted in here, in here, deep down in your gut, in here in your mind. I'm going to do this, period, regardless, until we do that. We won't be able to worship. We have to worship him in spirit and in truth. For it to be spirit and truth, he has to be first. Now, I want to ask you this morning. Have you worshipped this morning? Have you worshipped God? Sister Carol comes to the piano. Don't worry about a song, Brother Matthew. She's just going to come and play us some music. She's going to come. She's going to play what God's laid upon her heart. We're going to trust God for what that is. I have no idea what the song is she's going to play. But I guarantee you, she's going to follow God's prompting. And I guarantee it's going to bless your heart when you hear it. If you've not worshipped God today in spirit and truth, here's your opportunity right now. Here's your opportunity right now. You've got a need upon your heart. Something in your life. Here's your opportunity right now. Preacher, there are two separate things. Worshiping God and altar calls. Two different things. No, they're not. They're one and the same. Whatever your need is. Whether you need salvation. Whether you need restoration because you're backslidden. Whether you need encouragement because you're a Christian and you're just worn out. Or whether you just want to come and praise God. Come this morning. Come this morning and obey the calling. We hope that you've enjoyed our podcast presentation. If you would like more information about the church or any additional podcast, please join us on the web at www.reedtowncommunitychurchpodcast.blogspot.com. That's spelled R-E-I-D-T-O-W-N communitychurchpodcast.blogspot.com. Thank you and God bless.